Good morning, folks. In the studio with me today is Juno Police Chief Ed Mercer. Good morning, Chief. Good morning, Kevin. Thank you for having me. How are you doing this morning? We're doing really good. I'm enjoying our more light and, and, and us moving into spring, into summer. It's, it feels good. Very good. So, Chief, tell us about this armored rescue vehicle. We had quotes from Lieutenant Campbell regarding the vehicle since he's heading it up, but we wanted to know your thoughts. Well, obviously, you know, this uh, piece of equipment is going to be be vital to us providing the public safety that is needed in our community. It, it's, a, it's a piece of equipment that I don't see that it's going to be used all the time, but it will be deployed when necessary in certain circumstances. So uh, I've been with the agency for 22 years, and I've been in um, s- different scenarios out there where um, protection of the police officer out in the field on what they're dealing with or protection of the citizen or the public was um, sometimes a little tricky uh, as far as what we were dealing with. Um, so having having this vehicle um, in, in our fleet and it being a rescue vehicle to go out in certain circumstances, I think is going to only help the community be better and certainly um, help the officers go do their jobs and um, maybe change how they strategically approach things by having this piece of equipment in our fleet. Now, when this first had come on radar, there was concerns of militarization. Would you like to address that? Yeah, you know, that was brought up several years ago as far as, you know, the civilian police being militarized. And I will tell you that although we are a uniform service and we go out and we like we go to the police academy and it's it's quasi-military, we have structure similar to the military we're not military. We are civilian police. We have uh, laws that we have to abide by. We have to follow the Constitution um, as far as how we go out and uh, impl- uh, enforce the laws. And you know, there is a there is a, a vast difference when it comes to military police opposed to civilian police. They have a lot more authority when it comes to see- search and seizure, especially on their on their bases and where they have jurisdiction and whatnot where we have things we have to uh, follow within, within the confines of, of our Constitution. So, you know, I, I understand that there might be some concern there, but I never will see, uh, you know, civilian police being military police. We, we are just totally different in what our, our mission is for our communities that we serve. And it had also caught folks by surprise. Uh, and this is a whole new type of vehicle so i don't know if there would have ever been an announcement but is there ever any sort of announcement made when there's an acquisition of this level sometimes there is i mean i i think uh this was a kind of a a a learning point for myself and others um this is the first time that i'm aware of especially down in our region our southeast region i i don't know of any other police department that currently has an armored vehicle. Uh, Fairbanks has one, Anchorage has one, uh, police departments up in the interior have them. So, uh, you know, I kind of looked at this as far as just part of our, 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 our budget authority to move forward with it. 
Um, this was something that was not necessarily spontaneous. I mean, we were we knew that we couldn't buy one of these vehicles with just our our general fund and within our budget. We we needed to go out and look for federal grants that were able to accommodate um, that this fault fell on the criteria to be able to purchase. Um, the Mobile Incident Command, shortly after 9-11, we got money through Homeland Security to purchase that vehicle. So we've had that vehicle for uh, over 20 years. Um, so it's something unique. Um, as far as uh, a process of um, informing the public, we would have at, at a certain stage, as saying once we got to the point of uh, obtaining the vehicle, it takes a while for that, a vehicle like that to be built and, um, and showing it to the public as far as uh, what we have. Um, hindsight, I think it would have probably would have been better to um, get out in front of it a little bit sooner and, and say this is the direction we're moving with it. And, and uh, I get in uh, Juneau and, and many um, communities, they may think that this is uh, a piece of equipment that's not necessary, but I will tell you, I've been on calls where uh, it is, can be very scary and uh, you know you're putting yourself in harm's way um, when, when maybe you have a piece of equipment that uh, will help you a little bit on preventing and minimizing that area as far as it goes. And there was there was another item that I wanted to speak with you about too, which is the police radio system. And I understand there are upgrades on the way for them. It, it, what's the aim of this project? So. Uh, you know, over over the years, we've had uh, our radio infrastructure in place um, for all of our frequency um, throughout the borough, and we we knew all along that there are some areas that are not so good when it comes to transmission, um, and we also knew that our current system would um, outdate itself, and that's what we found. I mean, from my understanding, you know, the current system. Um, uh, came end of life on 2014. Um, it's a very expensive endeavor. I mean, we we were looking at about 12, uh, upward of 12 million dollars for for this project. We did uh, what we did is we moved forward with uh, using a uh, grant funding to do a radio study, and through the radio study, it it and analyzed our current system and analyze what we pretty much need. And there was a proposal as far as, here's what you're gonna need to move forward so you update your system. Um, I was also told that uh, um, we couldn't get parts for some things. We'd have to go on eBay to get parts. And I don't think uh, at, at this juncture that we should be um, having to search eBay for parts. So this is a pretty big project. It's a well-needed project. It's not only serving the police department, but also the fire department. Um, we partner with other city departments that will build a um, piggyback on with our communication system. That's going to be, you know, bolster our communication system. And um, fortunately, you know, the city assembly moved forward with uh, kicking that off, um, put some funds towards it for this coming fiscal year, and we're going to start moving forward with that project as we move forward. So I think we tiered it to try to absorb 
that significant cost and, and put it in there f- over a period of time. So splitting up that 12 million. It is, yeah. It's yeah. not at one. I mean, that, that's quite, a, quite, a, uh, quite daunting to me when I think about that amount of money, you know, um, as far as putting in a radio infrastructure system that is going to last us for, for 20 years. So, um, but uh, it'll be built over a period of time. And it'll be for a radio infrastructure for one of the nation's larger capital cities too. So it, I'd imagine that's a pretty daunting part of it as well. It is, and you know, one of the things that I mean, you think about it is a lot of places around the state have multiple law enforcement agencies, um, or might have multiple fire departments. We don't. We are it. We are the primary enforcer for our jurisdiction, as is the fire department, as far as providing that service. And, you know, one of the key parts of, of, of running any sort of public safety is to have, have a, a really robust communication system because you're going to need communications in major events, and we want to be prepared with that. But this was something that has been needed, and I'm just happy that we're moving forward with this project and um, hopefully in the next four years we'll have that have a a new system that's going to last for a long time so let's talk about the folks who use this equipment and one of the uh, i understand critical parts is the dispatchers they've got some training last week tell us about that they did um you know uh we 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 do a pretty good job providing internal training to our staff. Um, a lot of sworn staff get uh, a minimum of 80 hours. Um, we try to invite you know, other parts and sections of the agency into the, some of those trainings if it, impl- if it uh, applies to them. But in this case, uh, we were able to provide uh, a 40-hour training for our, all of our dispatchers, which I think has been needed for a long time. Um, we, we were able to fund it through also another grant, and we brought in a individual from back east who provided uh, 911 dispatch training to all dispatchers. We invited um, um, other agencies around in our region. We had two dispatchers from Ketchikan attend. We, we did have a couple other communities that said they were going to send their dispatchers to. So it was all inclusive trying to get more training for dispatchers. Uh, You know, they talked about crisis communication, active shooter, stress management, those types of things that is essential for, you know, a group. If you think about a dispatcher, they answer the phone. They're the first individual you talk to when you call the police department. And uh, sometimes they don't get closure on the very end because the officer is dispatched to the call and they could be in a pretty high stress uh, incident where they have to hang up that line and then go to the next call and never get closure as far as it goes. So um, talk about a lot of stress. Sometimes you don't get to get a full loop on it to be able to uh, analyze it yourself and say, okay, could I have done this? Could, would this would this outcome been better if I did this and stuff like that? So. Um, uh, I was really happy to be able to um, get this training here. Uh, Aaron Kelwara played a big role in that for advocating for this, and we we took on uh, this, you know, took on the opportunity through a grant to to fund this training. Mm-hmm. And 
how many dispatchers was that at the training? Was it all the police, so when, JPD dispatchers? Yes. When we are fully staffed, we have, uh, well, I'll, I'll say 13, but it's 12 and a half dispatchers. I don't know where we got the half, but that's, we have 12 and a half dispatch FTEs back in there. Um, we, we did have like um, um, part-time dispatchers filling, and then I think that's where that half kind of came in to fill in. So all of our dispatchers were able to do that. Fortunately for us, we have you know uh, individuals that had worked as dispatchers in the communication center and are now working other parts of this uh, department um, that were able to backfill and fill in. So all of our dispatchers uh, were able to attend. All in all, I think we had about 14, 14 uh, it, uh, dispatchers in that training and um, it was broken up through the week, so the, you, you know they they had a topic, and then they duplicated topic, and then they went back through, and they all met over that forty-hour period of time. And could you provide us an update on staffing at the department? Uh, do you have how are you on officers? Well, uh, officers, it seems like we're always recruiting. Um, it's getting harder and harder to recruit officers this has been this has always been a problem but it seems like it's harder meaning that we're not seeing the applicant pool um, that we used to see in the past and uh, we're currently down eight officers we have one officer who's going to be leaving uh, going to another agency here at the end of the month um, so that'll be about nine officers down um, we're currently down uh, two off two dispatchers and uh, this is another area that seems like it, it, it seems hard to fill. Um, they have to go through a pretty extensive process to become a dispatcher. And then once you become a dispatcher, you have to go through a pretty extensive training program as of a police officer. We have one call taker position open. Um, and uh, then we have some support staff that we recently, we have an admin two position that works out of my office that's gonna be leaving um uh here in june so we're, we're advertising for that and then um we had back in our drug unit stacy aldemar's position the uh investigation support specialist position um she retired and and uh basically that position is going to that is going to be open as as far as it goes and then i just recently heard our our police mechanic is going to be leaving so um we have vacancy within the agency and uh hopefully we have people in the community that want to be part of the department and serve the community and and uh, put an application very good well, we'll we'll have more questions after the break stay tuned and we're back with Juno Police Chief Ed Mercer. What update do you have for us about restarting the cadet program? That's another program I'm pretty excited about. And, you know, um, something that my staff has been, we, we always try to put our, our, our brainstorming on what can we do when it comes to um, community outreach and also uh, recruitment and whatnot. So I'm happy to say that, you know, we have the program in, in place. Uh, everything is in place and ready to move forward. And we're shooting for July 1st to start advertising 
for the cadet program. Uh, Sergeant Chris Gifford is heading that up along with uh, Lieutenant Scott Erickson. And um, we, are, we are moving forward, everything's in place. We got, um, we're ordering uh, uniforms, we're, we're, we have policy, we have uh, the, the curriculum as far as what we're gonna be teaching our cadets and we, we, uh, we're excited. We're hoping that we, we get some interest out there. Um, I think uh, Deputy Chief Campbell talked about this last time that we have three people that participate, one of being Sergeant Chris Gifford, that you know they, they were involved with the Explore program, which is the same thing as the cadet program, and, and look at what we got out of that you know we're getting 20 plus years of service out of individuals like that so our hope is um, not only will it be a recruitment tool but also for that young person maybe it, it just provides structure and and direction for them for what they want to do in the rest of their life and this will just be a piece of it so um, on an educational point of view as far as that goes so so not just for a prospective peace officer just yes yeah i mean i mean uh, when i was young i i participated in the boy scouts and i still remember uh some of the activity that we did and what they try to teach you and and those types of things so hopefully something like this will um uh, help an individual in their life as they move on uh, from young either from being a, a teenager to a young adult because it's 16 to 20 years of age to participate in this and um and into becoming an adult and so july 1st is what folks need to look out for for details yes and that will be on our website we'll be posting that on there so you'll be applications and we'll we'll go through that as far as it goes and we're hoping that we have a, a good turnout with that very good now we're coming up on memorial day and graduation what might staffing look like coming up to those dates pretty um, standard for us uh, the stand up uh, memorial day weekend detail we'll have the mobile instant command out out the road again all weekend long um, we'll have extra patrols on on out out the road where we don't typically you know we're out there on occasion when we have staffing to be able to go out there but you're going to see a lot more jpd out on both ends of the roads uh, doing patrol um, we'll have our our standard um, shifts all working uh, as far as it goes and uh, so they should see a lot more and our goal is uh, everybody has a, a fun Memorial Day weekend, graduation weekend, and nobody gets hurt, and everybody just has a good time. And I will knock on wood uh, over the last, since we've been doing this, I think it's it's paid some dividends and maybe reducing uh, issues out then the road where, you know, it's a kickoff of the summer. Everybody gets out there and has a good time, and we really want them to have a good time, but it also gives us the ability to interact with people in, in that positive contact and they see us out there I, I you know i get in the car and drive around out there and people just say thank you for being out and about checking up on things checking up and then on a graduation a graduation um, weekend i mean we'll we'll have officers in in there participating in in graduation over the weekend or during during graduation when it occurs mm. and um you know we're going to step up a little bit of police presence in all schools uh, we typically do uh, beginning of the school year and the end of the school year and we're going to do the best we can to really just get out there and and people are excited i mean the end of the school year summer starting 
we want everybody to have a uh, a good time and 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 on a good note, a good end as far as it goes. And what might you have to say to those as we get into this exciting summer? What might you have to say to those who may speed during this time? Well, uh, we're going to be on Egan Drive, and we're going to be out and about doing as much uh, speed enforcement as we can out there. Um, that has been provided to the, the rank and file as far as it goes. Um, we much rather people just drive and be patient. Uh, I know that's not always the case. But uh, expect to see us out there uh, doing that enforcement as much as we can with in between calls for service and all the other type of stuff we're dealing with. Um, just, I mean, I think the, the 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 same thing I say over and over. You know, uh, let's all get along and and be patient with each other. Uh, we don't live in a city where it takes hours to get to. Take your time, and you know. Be patient with each other, and I know sometimes that's very difficult. Well, Chief, I, I come from Oahu recently, and my goodness, <laughs> <laughs> we are rather fortunate here with the fact that there's one road. Yeah, yeah. So, it twenty like minutes a good... either direction, you're going to be okay as long as you give yourself time. You know, and, and I get that. You know, people get excited. The the pavement's dry, and the, it's lighter out and sunny out, and they want to test. And you know, and another thing, we're going to see a lot more motorcycles out and about. So not only are them being defensive drivers, everybody has to be defensive drivers. I hate hate to see uh, you know uh, unfortunate incidents where somebody's not paying attention or doing something reckless, and and they end up getting hurt or hurting somebody else. Right. So there was the. Peace Officer Memorial Day observance last week. Were there any thoughts you had in reflection? It, it's always uh, it always makes me pause. Um, I, like I said, I've been in this profession for coming up on thirty years. Um, we see flyers come out weekly, daily, of officers that are killed in the line of duty, whether it be by somebody else or maybe they're involved in a motor vehicle crash. Or hit by but hit by a vehicle while they're doing conducting their traffic stops. Um, it it just it's it's one of those kind of dark times I think for police because we are we're showing our respect to those officers that paid the ultimate sacrifice. Um, more so, my heart goes out to the family. I mean. Uh, e- you lose anybody loses somebody in their family it it's it, it is difficult but when you lose a police officer who's just going out doing their job every single day um it's it's just impactful not only to the family but to the community so it just makes me reflect on um being grateful to all of our law enforcement officers um n- not just our um front line but everybody who participates in law enforcement it takes it takes a a village to make everything work and in in police departments across the country everybody has to do their part so um i'm I'm very proud of this profession and what we do but it comes at cost and uh, sometimes those costs are not so good is there anything you'd like to add 
Uh, other than that, we're we're, we're moving. We're going to be having uh, our second civil, citizens academy graduation tomorrow, and uh, you know that's going to be in the evening. Or I think we're graduating five or six uh, individuals that it, that have been through an eight week program. So we're, that's our second one. We're pretty happy about that. And no, other than that, I think um, I just want to thank the community. Uh, to be supportive of, of, of what we're trying to do out there. And uh, we're, you know, we want to work with the community the best we can. Well, thank you for coming in today. Thank you, Kevin, for having me. And that's the program. Tomorrow, Juno Representative Andy Story will be joining us. Today's the last day of the session, so stay tuned for what's to follow tomorrow. Thank you all for listening today. This is Kevin Allen signing off. See you next time on Action Law.